Hello, my name is Flynn, and you're listening to the Liminal Universe Podcast. I hope you all had a great New Year um, holiday season, and hope that you're excited for some awesome new episodes this year, starting with episode 18, the long-awaited episode on Centralia, Pennsylvania. Uh, last episode, we talked about airports and how those relate to liminal spaces, and I just got to say, I'm very excited for this episode. Um, this is also the second in my series of Roads to Nowhere episodes, the first of them being on the Highway to Nowhere in Baltimore that I released a couple of episodes ago. So, uh, what we're going to do is do a brief history of Centralia, Pennsylvania, uh, talk about the fire, how that started, what the town looks like today, and uh, about my visit to it that I did earlier in 2023. So, to start off with, uh, Centralia is a borough in Columbia County, Pennsylvania. It's in the northeast part of the state, at the intersection of Routes 61 and 42. In 1749, the land that would become Centralia was sold to settlers for about $500 at the time, uh, from Native Americans who lived in the area. A few decades later, the Reading Road, uh, you know, if you know Monopoly, Reading Railroad, uh, eventually became Route 61. Uh, that railroad was developed going through that area. Then in 1793, Robert Morris, who fought in the Revolutionary War, uh, later bought one-third of the land which uh, in that area, and was eventually sold back to the United States after he went bankrupt. That land was then purchased by a Frenchman named Stephen Girard for about $30,000, who had at the time found coal in the area, uh, being anthracite coal. Then it was not until 1854 that the coal uh, became a real point of interest when the Mine Run Railroad was built. Uh, before the town was known as Centralia, by the way, it was known as Bullshead, which was the name of the Bullshead Tavern created in 1832 by Jonathan Faust. Or Faust. Uh, in 1842, the land was bought by the Locust Mountain Coal and Iron Company, and it was renamed Centerville. However, it was changed to Centralia in 1865, since another post office was using the name Centerville. Uh, for the mining history, mining began in 1856 with two mines, the Locust Run Mine and the Coal Ridge Mine. They were followed by other mines, including the Hazeldell uh, Colliery, Centralia Mine, and the Continental Mine. Uh, around this time, Centralia became an incorporated borough under Alexander Ray in 1866. By this time, Centralia grew to about 2,800 people, which was the peak population for Centralia. And with that uh, came a bunch of amenities for the town. There were two theaters, five hotels, seven churches, uh, 27 saloons, one bank, one post office, 14 grocery stores, and one parking spot reserved for Pyramid Head. Alexander Ray uh, was murdered just two years later, though. This was allegedly done by members of the Molly Maguires, who were an Irish society in the area. Uh, apparently, violence from this group even led to rumors of Centralia being cursed due to it. 
I mean, you know, maybe it was, because little did they know it was going to happen about 100 years later to that town. By the early to mid-1900s, and after World War I, anthracite coal had lessened in demand. So meaning that the town's biggest source of industry was in jeopardy. Uh, it also resulted in some residents leaving for other work as that main source had dried up. By the 1960s, coal mining had mostly ended there, and we'll get to that in a moment, uh, though some mining continued up until 1982, while strip mining is still practiced in some parts of the area today. So one of the big reasons why mining mostly ended in Centralia, besides um, a lot of the area kind of drying up and business not being as good, was that on May 27, 1962, a mine fire began that spread throughout the coal seam underneath the town and surrounding area. Cause of this is still debated and unknown, but it's believed that uh, the town had ordered a landfill to have uh, be burned away, have all the refuse on it burned away. It was piling up, and unfortunately, where that was was by an old mining site. So uh, the fire did not stay out once they began burning all the trash there because all the coal was still in the area. And uh, despite attempts to put it out, nothing worked. These attempts included using water, heavy machinery to get to the fire, and also one local dude who said he could get rid of the fire for $175. Which, I mean, shit, that would have been a bargain. Also, he didn't succeed. Spoiler alert. Various plans made after that were to essentially dig out the fire by cutting it off from the other, other rest of the coal that was fueling it. However, um, some of those attempts might have actually made it spread even more by doing that. Uh, also, one issue was that people were not working around the clock to combat it while the fire was on its own schedule. So it would be, you know, be burning at the night and the weekends when people weren't working, um, so, you know, it doesn't just stop when everyone else goes home. Uh, apparently, a total of three different excavation projects were considered, up until the third one, which was abandoned. Now, it did take time for the fire to spread, um, even though it was definitely out of control pretty easily. Uh, and by 1967, uh, there was one more plan uh, that had been made, but the flames by that point had moved hundreds of feet underground and was not possible for them to be cut off from the rest of the mines anymore. So that took too long, waited too long, and they couldn't stop the fire at that point. One other plan uh, in 1996, 1969, but implemented in 1972, was to use a fly ash barrier to stop the flames. Uh, fly ash, by the way, is residue that's left from coal mining and coal plants, and you can see this used in concrete roads, uh, as fillers, and more. The barrier had actually already failed by 1972 of fly ash, uh, despite it being complete in 1974. Unfortunately, in addition to that, fly ash is apparently dangerous to humans, and it can cause headaches, nausea, and respiratory problems. You should see a doctor about that. Despite trying their hardest to, the Bureau of Mines could not keep ignoring the problems uh, after the 70s. They had to alert the town residents of the growing danger of the fire 
right beneath their town. Also, by the way, train and rail service had ended in Centralia in 1966, which, while in part because of the fire, was evidence that the town was starting to die out anyways. Uh, I did say that, you know, businesses were not booming anymore. By 1980, half of the residents were actually already gone, with only about a thousand remaining, and health impacts of the fire and chemicals associated with it and the gases from it were becoming a big problem. Uh, Some of the various hazards from the fire included carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide, sinkholes as well, which also one kid fell into, but he he was saved, uh, barely saved. In 1984, Congress allocated $42 million as part of a voluntary relocation program for residents to leave Centralia by buying out of their properties. Almost all residents took the offer, and over 1,000 of them left with their homes being demolished later on. And not just homes, too, like all the businesses, the, you know, theaters, saloons, all that shit. That was all gone, too. Um, However, to get rid of the remaining residents, because not all of them left, Pennsylvania tried to use eminent domain to take their property in 1992. They were countersued by the residents. In 2009, the governor began formal evictions, despite there only being five homes left standing. Uh, The legal battle in total took about two decades to resolve, and finally in 2013, the remaining eight residents were allowed to still live there until they passed away, and then their properties would be taken under eminent domain and demolished, because they had officially lost the case. But uh, the governor and the state figured they were just, they're already old, there wasn't much there, they would just let them ride out the rest of their time. And, uh, of course, not just the businesses, but, uh, and the homes, but, uh, there were, pretty much everything was demolished. Today in Centralia, uh, there's a reported population of five people, according to the 2020 census. In 2020, uh, also the townsfolk decided to cover up the majority of the graffiti highway, which was an abandoned part of Route 61 with dirt and gravel, and is mostly now inaccessible, at least by car. Uh, This part of the highway was seen on sites like Atlas Obscura and other uh, places that mention, you know, notable parts of Centralia. So it still exists, but it's mostly covered. There's not only much to see there. Uh, Also, the zip code was revoked in 2002, the zip code being 17... Uh, 17927. For the remaining buildings that are in Centralia, there are like five homes, I think. Yeah, about five of them. There's one municipal building, which I'm not sure is actually in use at all, uh, and also one Ukrainian church above Hill. There are a couple of smaller buildings um, in the woods as well that have tons of get-out signs and spray paint on them. There is uh, a cemetery as well, but that's about it. There's pretty much no structures left standing. Uh, Some other facts about Centralia, Pennsylvania are, the most recorded residents, like I said earlier, were 2,800. As of now, there's officially five. Uh, The fire also, by the way, caused the nearby town of Burnsville, B-Y-R-N-E-S, 
uh, V-I-L-L-E, to be abandoned and demolished as well. And this was actually a really seldom-known effect of the fire. I didn't know that that town existed, let alone that uh, the Centralia mine fires caused that place to be abandoned as well and demolished. Like, that doesn't really come up much at all, so think of how, like, small that place was. You know, Centralia already was not a fucking bustling city, <laughs> let alone Burnsville. Uh, the town council in Centralia still held meetings up to 2011, with the highest bill for the town being $92 for electricity. However, the town does have a positive budget, so, you know what? Go Centralia. There may be, like, no one living there and almost no buildings and a raging fire underneath it, but goddammit, they kept a positive town budget. Uh, Centralia also had a time capsule buried in 1966, which was almost stolen in 2014. It was later opened in 2016, and uh, there was water in there, of course, because uh, it was buried underground, probably wasn't taken well care of, people didn't think to like insulate it from water. Uh, there were souvenirs from the town, a lot of old mining equipment as well. Yeah, uh, Centralia in the media, um, I'm sure you've all heard of it, uh, the biggest and most famous reference to Centralia, Pennsylvania, has been the Silent Hill movie, uh, which was adapted from the game series of the same name. So, while the video game was not inspired by Centralia, the movie, based off of the game, was inspired by it directly. Uh, and it, it's really obvious if you watch it. There's all the falling ash. They talk about a mine fire closing the town. Centralia. Uh, so that's really cool. Uh, but that's something that people kind of get mixed up a lot as they say the game's inspired by it. Just the movie, officially. Uh, the Travel Channel went there in 2013 for their show called Declassified. It was featured on Radio Lab podcast on their Cities episode. It was in a PBS documentary called Centralia Mindfire in 1982. And it was also used in one of the stories on Dean Koontz's book Strange Highways as an inspiration for something that he wrote. So, you know, for a little town, it's fairly famous because of what happened to it. Now, uh, let's talk about my trip to Centralia. So I said I went in early 2023. I went on my own on a Saturday to check the town out. And um, at first, I actually wasn't sure if I was in the right spot or not. Like, if I was in Centralia, despite the GPS telling me that I'd arrived at my destination. Because there really was just almost nothing there. Um, I saw a couple buildings, but there were even less than I expected. And I ended up doing a loop kind of through one of the roads passing through it, um, just to be sure, until I saw the municipal building. Like, I knew I was in the right spot. But, like, I had to do a double-take. I ended up having to go, like, on a two-mile loop just to make sure I didn't, you know, miss anything. Uh, I drove around the municipal building as well, and I took a few pictures of the front and back of it, which you can see in the Imgur link that's linked below in the description. Uh, it was easily the best-maintained building out of the very few that were left. And really the only sign, actually, aside from that in the church, that this used to be a functioning town. Um, you know, it says Centralia on it, so that's how you know you're in the right spot. But the couple homes are just chilling there, um, a lot of trees and stuff in the way, a lot of get-out signs around them. 
A lot of get-out signs around the church, too, actually. Um, but those are the only, like, actual non-residential things left there at all, besides the uh, cemetery. Uh, so I drove a couple minutes further past the municipal building, and I also passed by, like I said, the town church, which had, uh, like, five-plus signs telling people to fuck off. So I took their advice on that one. Uh, you know, I was alone there at the time. I didn't know if someone was going to be watching and get angry if I tried even, like, parking, you know, in their tiny parking lot and walking up to the building. Uh, pretty sure some of the signs actually said, like, if you're not a resident here, like, don't come here. Uh, so <laughs> even though I've done some stuff where I went to some abandoned places, I decided this time I'd play it safe and take heed of those signs. Um, I did stop for some pictures, and you can see some of the pictures at the front of the church. Uh, actually, the scariest part of the trip was right after I had passed by the church, and I did not go back the way that I came down the road, and I kept driving uh, forward on the path that it was near, because my GPS said that the road continued um, and looped back to the main road after, like, 0.7 miles, something like that. And I passed by a couple, like, really worn-down uh, single-story buildings that looked kind of like garages or something that had tons of bushes and trees on them, lots of go-away spray-painted as well, and signs on them. Which, again, I chose to follow that. Didn't want to risk getting shot. Because um, I figure anyone that actually lives in Centralia still, like, they clearly don't didn't want to even value their privacy. So I was not going to get in the way of that. Um... I did get back to the main road, though, which, again, I was nervous about. It was gravelly road. It was not well-maintained past the church where I went. I thought for a bit I might have to, like, loop back around and, like, awkwardly turn my car around. Uh, thankfully, didn't have to. Um, then when I got back to the main road, I ended up uh, seeing a large stretch of road that was covered in graffiti. And my first thought was I had found the graffiti highway that was kind of near the town center, but it turned out to just be a long road that happened to also have graffiti on it. And uh, you can see this in the first video I posted on YouTube and Facebook and Patreon. Uh, spoiler alert, at Patreon now, uh, which is in the description of the podcast. Uh, I briefly talked to a group of two small families that were also on that highway, um, and they told me that their kids had watched a documentary on YouTube on Centralia uh, the day before, and they took a day trip out there. So that was actually really surprising to me, because I did not expect anyone else to be around. Uh, but that actually came with some real help later on. Also, I have linked uh, what I believe the documentary they watched uh, was in the description of this podcast, so if you want to watch that as well, you can see that. Uh, anyway, the road that I was on was not anything special, and uh, I expect that had I gotten to the actual graffiti highway, it would have looked about the same if it wasn't currently covered. Uh, in the video that I took, uh, I actually cut it a bit short than I had anticipated, just because I got spooked by, like, a weird noise that was next to me in the grass. And it turned out there were some deer that were just watching me over there. But I had no idea what happened, but I heard something and then cut the video off, uh, right around then. Uh, after I took that first video, I went further down the road, where the other families were to see if just anything cool was there. And there was like a home or two still standing and a couple trails in the woods, but I didn't go through those. Um, so I talked with them briefly and then went to another part of the town, which was the St. Ignatius uh, or Ignatius Cemetery, which was near the location 
of the second video on YouTube titled Pipes. Uh, once again, other people were there too, but I mostly kind of went on my own through the cemetery, um, just walked around it. It was really tiny. And then I went up uh, like a dirt kind of gravel hill where I'd seen them walk off to before. Uh, apparently, there were some pipes that were up there which were used to try and control the airflow into the mine fires to like limit oxygen from getting through and like hopefully managing the fires best they could. Uh, we only managed to find uh, four pipes with three of them showing up uh, in the video itself. One of them wasn't really easy to get in the video. Uh, I took like a bit of time just trying to look for any other ones since they were numbered like three, four, five, seven. Uh, but only a few of them were out in the open. And uh, one funny thing that happened with the pipes is that one of the kids that was there said they could like probably throw stuff into the woods uh, and just listen for like the sound of metal or clanging to see if they hit a pipe. And we actually found one of the four pipes that way. Um, they happened to hit one just by throwing something into um, some of the woods. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, the pipes, the, there weren't really anything special. A ton of graffiti on them. They were numbered, but I have no idea if those numbers were official numbers or not. That beats me. Uh, none of us had any idea. Uh, but by far the best find of my trip when I was there, I was leaving the cemetery and one of the other people told me that they were heading to some active fire and smoke locations. And uh, had I not like hung out with them and kind of built up a report, I would have missed that entirely. And it, it actually turns out, by the way, if you go to Centralia um, and you use at least Google Maps, you can type in like active Centralia fires and vents and it'll take you right to them. Uh, like, I couldn't fucking believe it was that easy, or that they would have that as an option on Google Maps, since it's technically a dangerous area. Um, I don't know how that got on there. But uh, I had to drive a little under a mile away from the town center, uh, down the road, actually, that when I first got there, I did that loop around. And uh, I had to park alongside the road, and then I had to get out of my car, go a couple hundred feet into the woods, up a hill, uh, to see where the vents were. And in the area, um, there were about five or six that we could see. It was giant hill, tons of trees everywhere, uh, and like lots of rock piles as well, t tons of those. And at first, I didn't know what to look for, but uh, the other people, they noticed that some of the rocks were darker and had condensation from the steam on them, which you can see in my third video uh, titled Fires where the rocks are darker at the exit vents, um, so where the steam and smoke's coming out of. So once uh, I got close enough, I could literally see the white smoke rising from below. And you can see that in the video, like tons of that's just piling out of there nonstop. Uh, and it was like really warm too. It felt like I was in a sauna when I got close to it, like a steam room. Um, yeah, I have no idea how much cancer that smoke gave me just by being by it for a few minutes and putting my hand through it, but yeah, probably worth it. Uh, still though, if you look up any of the pictures or videos I took, you know, if you pick even one, I would say look up, um, the video titled Fires on the YouTube or Patreon, uh, or the Facebook page. It's really cool. Um, I still can't believe that I got to not just see that, but actually capture it rising up from the ground. Uh, and that was just one of the five locations that I saw. Like I said, there were a bunch of them. Some of them kind of hard to climb to. Uh, but I, I assume all around that area, there were just tons of those vents everywhere. Like, within ten minutes, we found six of them. 
Uh, overall, though, I was really happy that I got to go see this place, and that I was able to meet some other people that were interested in it, too. Uh, I think that just the eight or so of us there probably doubled the population of that town just for a few hours. And I would encourage any of you interested in Centralia and able to visit to do that sooner rather than later, as there's really no way to know what few structures will be left and for how long and what condition. So if you get the chance to, check it out. There's a lot of history there, um, and you can even see the fires, at least the steam from them. All right, everyone. Well, it's everyone's favorite time. Last but not least, it's homework time. And this week, your homework is to tell me about any time you went to an abandoned or dying town. Or part of town. Yeah, it works too. Uh, I would love to hear your stories, see any pictures, videos. You know, you know the drill. You can always reach out to me um, on the Facebook, you know, um, where I post on Imgur, on YouTube, leave comments. My email, it's in the description as well. Um, Spotify comments, you know, I can't reply to those, but I can see them. Uh, yeah, so I would love to hear, see anything from this or past episodes. Um, love the engagement. And next episode, everyone, is actually going to be out within a week from today. So I will be doing my first video game review about uh, liminal video games and backrooms. This was actually requested a little while ago from people on my Discord. I'll be playing the video game Animoyopolis on Twitch, uh, so I'll be playing that live, and if any of you want to see that, you can find my Twitch in the podcast description below, uh, most likely Friday of next week, and I'll be sharing my experience playing the game on this podcast shortly after that. And yeah, that would wrap it up for this episode. I want to thank all of you for listening, and I hope that you enjoy it, and look forward to my next episode coming out soon. Thank you.